currently two books that I'm reading. Um, what do you we, do here? I'm one of the elders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell them that. I'm one of the elders at First Family. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I said that. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, uh, I'm reading a book called Lead by, by uh, Paul David Tripp. Yeah. And, or David Paul Tripp, uh-huh. whichever one it is. Um, <laughs> and uh, Robbie Zacharias' latest book, last book, um, Seeing Jesus from the East. And I'm ignoring the latest controversy surrounding his name right now. Hmm. I'm uh, Nick Reed, uh, lead pastor at City Point Church in Urbandale. We actually planted out of here about oh, almost three years ago. Um, and currently I am reading The Imperfect Disciple uh, by Jared, what's his last name? Wilson. Wilson, yeah. Um, I'm only three chapters in. Hope, hope I actually finish this one. So... <laughs> Uh, Mark Spencer. I am the lead pastor at First Family Church in Bondurant. Um, and uh, let's see, books. I'm in between books right now. So um, uh, let's see. You know, I'm, it's the lights, Travis, that's <laughs> giving me. Otherwise, I'd give It's like you, an interrogation room. I know. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like. Yep. Awesome. Thank if you, you, guys. If you need an author of some of these books, I meant to mention this. Gilead's written by Marilyn Robinson. You'd really like it. Mm-hmm. And one more recommendation. I'd encourage everybody to read the book, The Gathering Storm by Al Mohler. It's oh, yeah. excellent, too. Just finished that one. So Very cool. Yeah. Thank you guys for being up here. Uh, so we're going to let you guys engage a little bit. So here's the first question. Uh, we're going to give you like a minute or two to just kind of think about it, discuss with your neighbor, and then I'm going to put one of you guys on the spot. You ready? Okay. I accepted Christ many years ago. Why do I keep battling the same sin over and over again? So go ahead, whisper to your neighbor next to you. What would you say? I know, are our mics on? Our mics are on, so you gotta be quiet. You can prep, though. We're going to go with uh, Mark Spencer. Mark right. Spencer. So this must be the easiest question. Yep. So, they only right. get, they harder. get harder from here. They only get all harder right. from here. Absolutely. Well, I'll take a stab at it. Here's my perspective. Um, uh, when, we are, when we are transformed, when God replaces our heart of stone with a heart of flesh, um, while the Holy Spirit can come in and completely transform us and make us a brand new person, and that absolutely can happen. Uh, and in some cases, those desires that we ha- used to have can be transformed. But in a lot of cases, uh, we still we still are the same people. I mean, there's still um, the sin that we struggled with is probably going to be a sin that we struggle with for the rest of our lives. But um, the good news is, is that we now have the Holy Spirit within us that allows us to battle it in a way that we never could before. So in the pa- so prior to the Holy Spirit coming into us, uh, we'd have no. There's no chance of us ever winning that battle, but now we, now we have that opportunity. But, but again, it's probably going to be with, be with us for the rest of our lives. Thanks. Anybody else want to chime in, add something to that? I was just thinking, uh, because Jesus hasn't come back yet. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, Paul even said, why am I doing the things that I hate and I don't do the things that I want to do? 
Um, it's the sin inside of me. It's not who I am. Who I am is, is redeemed, bought and paid for. I belong to Jesus. That's who I am defined by as God, but it's that sin nature still exists. Um, the other thing I was thinking, so you'll struggle with that, but this popped into my head during the, uh, the porn breakout with Steve, and just asking the question, like, do, do you want to stop? I don't know who asked that question, but do you want to stop, and what are you replacing that with? Um, he just said that we have been given, Second Peter says, we've been given everything we need. And so are we availing ourselves of those things? That's great. I also like uh, when, you re- when you reference Paul, um, his, his, his solution to that problem is in the same chapter at the end, and he says, he says, who will save me from this body of death? Thanks be to Jesus Christ our Lord. That's right. Lean into Jesus. Mm-hmm. Lean into him more. Cool. All right, next question. We want to keep moving. Here you go, guys. This is your chance. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing Christian men today, and how can we fight against it? I'll give you a minute. Go. The biggest challenge facing Christian men today. All right, I'm hearing good, good discussion. Pastor Todd, will you handle this one? Solve this one for us. What is the greatest difficult for Christian men today? Clarity is one. Courage is number two. You want to expound on those? Clarity and... Um, Pick your issue. Uh, Your family, your spouse, your kids need clarity. Pick your issue. When you have clarity, you'll need courage because the culture more than likely... It's some part of the culture is not going to agree with you. So you, you can't try to find a friend in all parts of the culture. You just won't find it. Hmm. So I think the biggest need for men is clarity and courage. Hmm. Anybody else want to add anything to that? Clear that up. <laughs> <laughs> no one wants to disagree with Todd. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much everybody chimed in after I answered. Nobody <laughs> chimes in after Todd answered. <clears throat> I kind of like disagreement, actually. I think That's tension's good. good but, uh... All right, next question. Um, I'm really curious about this one. This is, as Christians, how should we interact in a workplace with more forceful diversity and inclusion environments? Does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Christians, how should we interact in a workplace with more forceful diversity? So diversity is being forced upon you and inclusion environments. Does that make sense? You got the question? Go ahead and chat about it for a minute. Yeah. 
You guys are the yeah. ones who really, I've never even probably had a job outside. Nick, have you worked outside of the church? Good, do it. Yeah. I want the, that's a John Deere employee. <laughs> All right. We are going to go to the two guys that have worked in the corporate world. Dale, you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, I would say with grace and boldness, uh, that does need to be um, met. Um, you've got a lot of, uh, there's a lot of different opinions that I, I've worked with in the past, um, and it, even in the military, which is more largely conservative than, say, other, other organizations, but um, you still have a very wide mixture of, of beliefs when it comes to that stuff. Um, I like what Matt, uh, our guest speaker, was saying. He said, you know, I, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said because I can't remember exactly, but he said something like, you know, be bold, but don't be stupid. Like, don't pick a fight if, if it's not necessary, but if you, if, if, uh, if you have a chance to say something and it's in grace and love, then say it hmm. and have the courage to say it. Um, years ago, I, I kind of wrote off. I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to have these conversations, these one-on-one -on -one conversations with men in my, in my workplace. And if that gets me in trouble, I'll, I'll, I'll meet it when it happens. And I had many conversations with people and I never got in trouble. So um, I think get, get over your fear and have those conversations, but don't be dumb about it and try to get yourself persecuted on purpose or something. Mark, would you add anything to that? Yeah, I think that the answer is clarity and courage. <laughs> That's good. Um, That's good. Yeah, it just kind of it just kind of came to me. Um, so uh, uh, no, but I, you know, one of the things that I found in corporate America, you know. It, Nobody's going to complain when I walked in on Monday and talked about the Hawkeyes and the Cowboys. And yet, you know, so I did that for years, and then I was really convicted that everybody knew my favorite sports teams, but they didn't know the other things that were going on in my life. And so instead, so I started replacing on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday when we were talking about, hey, what'd you do this last weekend? I'd talk about my church service. Hey, this is what, you know, we had a great sermon on this. I'm studying this, our small group. This is a conversation that came up. And, and in, the, in the broad corporate, you know, team meetings where we're discussing diversity issues and, and stuff that you have to be, I mean, that's not the time I'm going to chime in. But then, but what I found was, was that when people were experiencing crises and they needed someone to talk to about, gosh, how, do, how does this work when this, when this evil happened and, and this world is supposed to have a God how does this work with a Christian worldview? Mark, you're the only one that I know that is, you know, a, a strong Christian believer. So I'm just going to tuck off in a, in a conference room and just ask you some questions because I don't have anybody else in my life to ask those questions of. Okay. And so those one-on-one -on -one things, at that point, you're outside. I mean, this is a personal, I'm just trying to help you. And, and we, have a, we have answers that the secular world does not have. 
Um, and, and we're proud of our faith, and, and people should know us because of that. And so that's my take. Yeah. Clarity and courage. <laughs> yeah, almost, almost all of your responses, their, their responses to you or to me have been positive. They have not been negative. Um, there have been some arguments, and you get into some rabbit hole discussions about things, but um, almost everything has been, hey, can you pray for me for this? You know, and, then, and then we start talking. You know, yeah. and that would not have happened if I had never said a word about what I believe. That's good. Want to add anything? That's good. All right. Um, three of you lead congregations. So this is primarily for you, but Dale, feel free to chime in as well. But <laughs> we'll let you guys address it first. What do you see as the biggest roadblocks to your congregation engaging with the Great Commission in a more meaningful way. So not just this idea, this theory, we all know it, but how do we actually get our people to engage with the Great Commission? Go ahead. I'll let you start. Have you written one? All right, Pastor Todd, you want to kick us off? <laughs> Mark, you've got like a stand-up kind of, yeah. you just got a lot of humor, man. You're pretty good at that. I have you back for like a comedy night or something, you know? I'm good for something. <laughs> so that's a massive question. I mean, whole books have been written on that. Um, and man, out of us four and our church planters, other pastors here, I mean, who, who's doing this? Well, it's hard. Mm-hmm. number of things pop in mind. First of all, I think there's, honest misunderstanding about the Great Commission. I think there's been an unfortunate dichotomy between evangelism and discipleship. I think the Great Commission, making disciples, is both of those. We can call it two sides of one coin, but I don't think it's healthy for a church to say, well, I work in the evangelism department. You work on the discipleship department. And we kind of dichotomize this to where, um, you know, I just don't think that's healthiest. We should just realize... There, there's the birthing room, and then there's the toddler room, the grow-up room. I, so it's one thing we're called to do, so I think there's some honest misunderstanding there. Um, I think there's this misunderstanding about um, its priority. I think, honestly, some folks in the church consider it optional. Like, well, I'm not, uh, my gifts are different. Well, the Great Commission is not like a gift deal. It's the last words of Christ, mm-hmm. and every gospel and acts it's what he came to do. Like, if we're not about that, we're about the wrong thing. And so I say to our church a lot, we have many opportunities. Let's take advantage of them. But we have one responsibility. We have to be about this thing mm-hmm. in some way. Two of the things i just add to that would be this. Um, I think currently, this would be maybe an answer that might affect us in the current, would be politics. Um, and so the church has been, you know, the church has succumbed, and that's not just in this current time. I think even back in the more majority days and some of those 70s and 80s, 
it's almost like the church gets mixed up with the, the political right. And suddenly you, it's very difficult to make disciples when if they don't feel like they agree with you that you're not, they're not going to be your friend, like you have to vote the same to actually love someone. I think politics has hurt our witness. I really do. Um, other thing is this apathy. I love what Matt said today when he said, am I weary because I'm actually worn out from the work mm-hmm. or am I weary because I just don't care? That's uh, you don't want to. You don't want to be there. I don't want to be where I don't care. So I mean, people actually die, and go to hell. Yeah. So I think if we were to really grasp that, it would help us put things like politics, mm-hmm. preference issues in perspective, and we'd be about Christ's final words. Okay. Nick, your congregation is very young. How does this look like in a church plant, a, a church that's in its infancy stage still? Um, I would say, well, first of all, I agree with the excuse that it's not my gift. It's just not my personality. Um, I mean, we've seen a little bit of that, but uh, because gift, gifting is a separate thing from the charge to evangelize. And so, um, but I think the thing that we've seen most, and I think our guys that are here would agree, is just the, uh, you know, I think of the book that Francis Chan wrote called Forgotten God. Um, just not really understanding the power that we have in the Holy Spirit and giving into that fear of like, I, what, if I, what if somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to? I'm going to look stupid and then I'm discredited. But if we can get away from the fact that, that, first of all, that's not true, right? Because you're not more powerful than God to save somebody. So you don't have to have the answers um, for everybody, right? Um, you just need to be consistent with what you say you believe and how you live. Um, so we're afraid of not having the answers, and so we kind of hold back that Jesus part of us, and I often say it this way, evangelism is essentially just letting the Jesus part of you come out, because so much, so much of what we do out in public is we separate church life, I think you may have said this earlier, but we separate church life from like public life, and so in church we can be one way, and then in public life it's just like I got to put myself in this you know, box out in, in life, and the Jesus part of me, I, I find myself holding that back. But if he has redeemed you, if he has changed you, if he has transformed you, just let that come out in a natural way. Be who you are with people. Let them see your passion for Christ and these kinds of things. Um, and the Holy Spirit is a whole lot more powerful than we humans think that he is. And he wants to work through you. He wants to work in you. But if you don't give him permission to come out and work in you, if you're not listening to him, oftentimes we pray, Holy Spirit, work in this place. Work in me. Give me the words to say. But then when it times come to have the words to say, we're like, nope, you're not allowed to speak. Right? You're not responsible for the results of your words if you are speaking what the Holy Spirit gives you to speak. And I really think that for a young church like ours, it's just, man, we got to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit that God has given you to actually be what he says you are. Mm-hmm. Mark, you want to speak for Bondurant? Yeah, the only thing I'll just add, um, I want to tag on to, you know, what Todd was saying about apathy. You know, there's, if, imagine the situation where this little kid is walking up to an edge and, and it's a, there's, a, there's a car coming, and they're about to step off. 
There's not a single person in this room that wouldn't run and grab that child. And yet, do we really believe, do we really believe that my neighbor, if he died tomorrow, if he died later today, without knowing Christ as his Savior, is really going to hell? I mean, if we really passionately believe that and understand that, just like we would save that child, it should be that instinctive that we should do that. I, I do think that there's a layer of apathy. And don't, don't let, just because I've got a microphone and I'm standing on a stage, I mean, I, I'm guilty of that myself. I mean, I think we all have to work harder on that and really see that as what, you know, this is, this is life and death decisions that people are making uh, every day of their lives. And we need to be, we, we need to be very bold in that, in that message. Can I share a brief story, Travis? Mm-hmm. So this year, um, around the end of December, I, I like to set goals. I like to have annual goals, kind of the way I'm wired. So one of my goals for this year that I really felt convicted about in late December was I just really want to have more gospel conversations with people. So I wrote down in my journal to witness to at least one person every week. And I thought, man, I don't know how to get that done. It sounds good. but So I changed it to one gospel conversation every week. I thought, God, I don't know if I can do that. I, I'll try. You know, I got like this church job. Um, I love being around lost people. But I don't know a ton of them. So by week two, I mean, it was like Thursday. It's on week two, and I'm like, man, I'm running out of time on this week. I don't even, who do I talk to? But it can't just be like, you know, it has to be kind of intentional and a gospel conversation. That's, that's the goal I said. So I go home, and I tell Julie, I was like, I got like two days left, and I'm already going to break the streak. I'm only, I'm going to be like batting 500, you know. And I, I remember looking out the window, and that's my neighbor's. Right across, they just moved in a few months ago, right next door. And the Holy Spirit said, and this is what Nick's talking about, the Holy Spirit said to me, just take him a Bible. So I thought, well, um, okay. Because I was thinking, how do I get into this conversation with my neighbors? So I, I picked the Bible off my dresser. It had no marks in it, no name in it. I'll just give them this Bible. So I go over there, I knock on the door. And Ida comes to the door. And um, so, uh, and I can share these things here because it's not as likely that, this will get out. This is a good, safe place. But uh, so Ida comes, and uh, he's from Africa. Um, his wife's also from there. And their two boys were with me last night. You saw them here, Finnick and Fonick and Prince. Anyway, so I said, hey, Ida, can I just thought I'd bring you a gift. I know you're you know, a few months old, but uh, I said, I wanted to bring you over a Bible. So he invited me in, and they had some things on their wall about the Lord and stuff. So I thought, well, maybe they're Christian. I don't know. So I had a seat and began talking, and, and uh, he shares, you know, he said, my wife is Muslim. Uh, I went to this church in Des Moines. I think they gave me several things to read. One of them's like this uh, Book of Mormon. I said, oh, I said, well, this is a Bible. And I said, I just want to give it to you in case you don't have one. And, and, and she came out of the kitchen and said, I'll take it. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, great. If you want to read it, that'd be super. And I'm really nervous, okay? I don't know what I want to say. So I said, well, that book will tell you. And I just got into the gospel story, and they listened. Um, nothing miraculous happened. They didn't fall on their face and get saved as far as they know. They didn't, they just said thanks. Um, but it's an open door. And my point is this. When I went, went back home, I told Julie, I said, and I, I felt really odd. But maybe that's the kind of stuff we've got to do more of. Mm-hmm. Is actually just think of intentional ways to get inside someone's home and life. So if I'd have just waited at home, and like you're saying, if I'd have just waited there like, well, maybe I'll meet somebody on the sidewalk accidentally. I wouldn't have. Yeah. And what Matt was saying about putting the work into stoking your fire. And so when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, don't analyze it to death. Just do it. Mm-hmm. And he will take the opportunity 
And he'll do with it what Nicholas said more than you'll ever think, even though you're scared and nervous. And so I'm still, every week's a struggle for me to try to meet this goal. I'll be honest with you. But I'm trying my best under, by God's grace to keep this as a priority in my life because you're right, man. I'm, I'm not good at it, the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. I struggle. And so, yeah, if you're, don't feel alone, man. We're all in this together trying to figure out how can we be a witness to people. I would say, too, you said nothing miraculous happened. Well, yeah. But you need it. But I, I'm not like teaching Todd something. No, you are. That's true. <laughs> I need this. Yeah. He. Uh, but just know that when you listen, an ordinary person listens to the yeah. power of the Holy Spirit and leading of the Holy Spirit, and you don't question it and you just do it. That's miraculous. Yeah. And evangelism. If you're an adrenaline junkie, you should love evangelism <laughs> because it really is that. Oh, the Holy Spirit just told me. Okay. Here we go. Like, you have no idea what's going to happen. You just go, and you do it, and then you get to watch God do something, either in you or in the person that you're evangelizing to. Maybe I meant nothing outwardly uh, miraculous. But that's the point, is that's what we're looking for, isn't it? Like, that's what we want. That's on me, you're right. Dang it, nothing happened. Right? (laughs) Except for you just made a crazy move and went and knocked on your neighbor's door and handed him a Bible. Like, who's done that? Who does that? Yeah. Oh. Well, but I, that wasn't a hero move. I'm saying I was yeah. scared. Like, I was nervous. I'm not really doing well at this. That's what I'm saying. So somehow we just got to confess to each other. The Great Commission's not first on our minds most of the time. Mm-hmm. The machine of churches or our jobs. And I'm in that same boat, guys. I'm just trying to confess. We can do better, and I want to do better. Yeah. Please. Hmm. Yeah. That's right. I regret it not. Yeah. I, I can think of yeah. multiple times that I look back and yeah. and regret not doing that, but I, and there's not one that I regret doing. The great. Com- I have a question too. Is the great the great commission says go? Are we disobedient if we don't go? Is that a command? So it's really a stated fact. So it's a participle as you are going. So you are already going. So there's, I don't think there's a way to disobey that. It's a, it's a reality. Everyone's going somewhere. Yeah. So the point is not to go, even though I know we hear that. And it's okay to go across the ocean. I'm not saying you shouldn't right. go. The point of the, of the verse is the verb, make disciples. That's right. And so, you really can't leave off the other part of, yeah. all, the, of all nations. It modifies that well. So mm-hmm. it's not a limited scope here everyone is in the target that's right so when you meet people just think they're going to heaven or hell could a door be here to talk about it at some point awesome all right we're going to change topics a little bit um for those in the room that have wives this one's about your spouse i think this is really good so if you don't that's okay you can still engage in this conversation um kind of two questions i'm going to put into one um this one says what's the most practical way you love your wife you show her you love her. Okay, that's the first question. The second one is, what ways do you and your wife engage God together? So can you guys just take a moment, wrestle with that. What's the best way to show your wife you love her? And then how do you, how do you engage with God together?
should be able to answer this one pretty succinctly. You're doing the line, you know, we can answer it kind of quickly and shortly. Didn't we? In theory. <laughs> See? I'm starting with Mark. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really curious where this is going to go next. <laughs> we'll work that back this way. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. <laughs> hey, nothing's worked yet. Hell. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what is she yeah, want to do. I don't know what do you want to do. That's how I show love. Yeah. <laughs> See how short it is? That's great. <laughs> I want you to decide. I mean, I've decided to do whatever you want. All right, we're going to start with Mark and work our way this way. So everybody's got to give a practical tip. How do, you, how do you show your wife you love her and maybe something you can do spiritually with your wife? All right, well, uh, one thing that I try to do is be a student of my wife. So I try to, uh, try to uh, just constantly learn who she is, what makes her tick, and then f- feed into that, bless that in any way that I can. And then uh, experiencing ministry together. Um, one of the things that, you know, whether it's in now in my current role, um, uh, you know, doing various pastoral stuff, but like our church when, in our small group, it's just fun to see how there's parts of leading the small group that I do and, and work well with how God has gifted me. And likewise, she has been gifted in different ways that I don't have. And so it's just fun to see God working for us together in those ministry opportunities. So. Um, I would say my tendency is to love my wife with uh, the love languages that I receive love, and that usually doesn't work very well. And so I um, have discovered that the two things that I can do best for her according to her love languages is give her gifts, and um, which I'm terrible at, but if I can give her gifts and give her time by herself, and I need to initiate that, right? If she asks for it, it's not as powerful as if I initiate that. And then spending time um, together, we usually, we, we have never in our marriage really, uh, like, done devotionals together, read the same thing together, I think. But what we do is every day we read at the same time. And so as we're reading, we'll just be sitting in the same room and we'll share things with each other as we read it. Um, and then we pray together regularly. I think uh, one practical thing that I try to do um, would be I try to, I, I look for ways I can take things off of her plate. She's always pretty busy. She's a lot, well, right now, since I'm retired, she's a lot more busy than I am. Um, but uh, <laughs> so I try, to, I try to look for ways that I can take things off of her plate, like taking the kids to school or maybe, maybe clean, cleaning up when normally she's the one that's doing those things, those types of stuff, um, and how we spend time together. We've done this pretty much every day since we've been married. When we are together at night, like, like when I'm not traveling or something like that. So if we're sleeping under the same roof, um, we, we spend 20 minutes to an hour, hour and a half talking every day. Um, and we, and, and we, we try to pray during that time as well for our children, for our marriage, for our family, whatever comes to mind. But that's something that we do. Three words or... For me, it would be surprises, so it's the gift idea. Good surprises. Um, <laughs> service, doing things for, and I try to mix those two if we can, 
service and surprises. And then um, security. So your, your wife will respond to you to the degree, and Mark, you mentioned this in your seminar, to the degree that she feels secure. And so one of the best ways, I should say, for me, one of the best ways to make sure that Julie knows, feels secure is tell her every day, I'm in until the day I die. I'm not leaving, I'm not going anywhere, no matter what you do or think, I'm in as your husband forever. So just security, service, and surprises. And then currently what we're doing is uh, we both had some interest in, like, the Old Testament prophets. We just don't understand Isaiah, Jeremiah. A lot really? of times they're like, I mean, these are hard books to read, you know? Like, and so uh, we agreed, why don't we read through those at night? Cool. And so we, there's this uh, website where you can put in what you want to read in the Bible, and it will automatically divide it into an equal amount of readings for the year. You can find the... Um, tool on the Gospel Coalition site. So we put in Old Testament prophets, and so if, when we go to bed every night, it's usually just like maybe five or six verses. Maybe it's a chapter of eight or ten. And so I'll read a verse, she reads a verse, I read a verse, she reads a verse, and we don't, I don't preach it. We don't explain it. We really don't even talk about it. We just read it, and then we let the Word do its work while we sleep, and that's what we do. That's cool. Good advice, guys. Thank you. Okay, on the same topic, did you answer this one? Um, no. On the next, <laughs> this is uh, a work in progress. Uh, this is along the same lines, um, but I think this is a really powerful question. So I'll just read it as it was written. You guys discuss it, and then we'll discuss it a little bit. So there is a ministry that I would really like to do that would require my wife to do it as well. She really doesn't want to do it. I can't and won't make her do it. Any advice? What would you say to this individual? <clears throat> Need me to read it again or you got it? Read it again? Okay, read it again. There is a ministry that I would really like to do that would require my wife to do it as well. She really doesn't want to do it, and I can't and won't make her do it. Any advice? It's a good question. I'm not going to pick anybody. I feel like that's a tough question. Anybody want to volunteer to, to answer that one? I'd say good job. Hmm. <laughs> anybody want to add anything to that? Yeah, that, I mean, um, mm -hmm. uh, I'll just say that I had a very similar experience. Um, when I first, when in my story, I was in corporate America for many years and then uh, felt drawn into full-time vocational ministry and uh, when I when the situation all kind of came to a head and it seemed like it was the logical path um, I was not going to go into it without my wife hmm. and so um, I sat down with her and I I asked her as I, I asked that question 
and to be transparent with you guys at first, it was, mm, no, I don't, I'm not, she was not comfortable there. And that was tough. Uh, and I was, because I just felt like, man, it just feels like everything is pointing this direction. But likewise, I was praying to God. I mean, I was praying. I said, Holy Spirit, I will not move on this without my wife. Um, and so, uh, please, if uh, this feels like it's obvious to me, but, it, but she's not reacting in that way. So if you're trying to tell me, Holy Spirit, no, this, I'm listening. And maybe you're going to use my wife to tell me no, that this is a bad idea. And so I couched it. Uh, um, kept praying about it, uh, and then after a week or so, I came back. I just felt, again, kept getting nudged by the Spirit that, no, this is the path. Uh, so I came back and addressed it and asked her again, follow up with a question very in, in, a, in a cautious, humble heart, loving. I tried to just, um, just ask questions. You know, what are, what are the concerns that you have? Is there anything that, you know, maybe there's things that you just have concerns about that I can help alleviate or whatever? Um, and, and in that conversation... I mean, she just had quickly turned around and said, you know what, she's been praying about it, and she says, no, I'm, I'm there, I'm all in, I'm sorry that, you know, just, that was kind of, I think, her initial reaction, but she got there, and so, to me, it's all the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you try to change your wife's heart, you're going to be, you know, woefully disappointed. The Holy Spirit <laughs> uh, has all the power to do it, and, and we don't, so we tap into that. That's good. My two-word answer assumed all those things, mm -hmm. honesty, communication, yeah. if those are happening, Whoever wrote that, I'd say good job. You also, if I could put you on the spot a little bit, you, you talk about long runways. Would you explain that to these guys too? Because so I think that plays into this as yeah, well. Yeah, so through trial and error, you know, sometimes you, you, you learn um, surprises that are bad of the kind that no one knows about, but you've known about for, let's say, six months, three months. And then you want everybody to be on board in two hours, and they just heard about it. So I've made this mistake with our elders. I've made this mistake with our staff. And so the last probably five to seven years, I've just become a little better at realizing, you know, if this is going to get any traction in six months, I've got to start building the runway now. And yeah. especially with our staff. We've got a great team. They do 99% of the work here, to be honest with you. Uh, and they're really good at it. Um, and so I've just learned if I can help build a runway, uh, yeah, then the plane takes off better. Rather than we're doing this, yeah. it's, hey, can we talk about this? Yeah, talk about it. It's all kind of runways. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that may be your... So if he's done that and she's not willing to, yeah. man, good job. He shouldn't force her. Yeah. That's crazy. Good. So. I, would, I would say, you know, all those things are good. Um, don't, don't put the burden of the decision on your wife. Like, like she's the one that has to decide now. Uh, and, we, and Heidi and I, we, we've had several conversations about this. We're right in the middle of some stuff, um, as you can imagine. And... Uh, when it comes to decision for vocational, pastoral, or whatever ministry, um, you know, just keep having those conversations with her and 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 pray with with her yeah. and separately. Um, she might have some different ideas of what that means and what you say it means or what you think it means even. And as you continue to pray, the Lord might change your heart. The Lord might change your heart, um, mm -hmm. and it go it go starts going another place. So, um, yeah, just keep talking and and don't don't burden your wife with the ownership of right. the decision. Yeah, that's good. Um, I think that when the Bible says what God has brought together, let no man separate, is more than just talking about divorce. Hmm. Because when he made you one, I think that becomes primarily one of the ways that he leads you to decision making. So like, for instance, uh, in planting City Point, they don't let you plant a church or they won't fund you 
plant to plant a church unless your wife is 100% on board. Um, because that's just that concept. Like, if your wife's not on board with it, then maybe that's God's answer. And so I guess the simplest thing for me to say would just be pray first. Don't be afraid to put that fleece out there and just say, God, if I'm supposed to do this, you'll lead my wife mm-hmm. to, uh, to think the same way. And if she doesn't, well, you're one. And so it's not just God leading you. He'll lead you together. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, guys. Um, Dale, I'm blaming you for this one. You brought up Ravi Zacharias, and so our next question has to do with him. So I don't know if everybody knows the circumstance, but I think this is a really good question if you do. Maybe we should have somebody summarize the situation. But the question goes like this. How do we avoid becoming a Ravi Zacharias? Anybody want to summarize the circumstance so that we can facilitate that conversation? So... From what I understand, I don't have all the details, but some stuff came out after his death that kind of tainted his ministry with regards to some sexual practices that he had. And I don't want to get more into that because I'm not sure of the actual facts versus rumors or anything like that. But bottom line is, his name is tainted. Uh, Whether it be true or not, I don't know, but um, it's possible it is. Um, I did hear that his family and the ministry organization has not denied it, so... Just leave that where it be. Um, so how can you avoid that? Um, I actually had this conversation with uh, a group of men that we met with on Friday morning about this very thing, and Ravi Zacharias' name popped up, and that's how that conversation got started. Um, there needs to be a place where leadership, you know, ministry leaders can have a safe place to open up and say, hey, I'm vulnerable and I need to, I, ha, I am struggling with these things. Um, you have a guy that, you know, Robbie Zacharias didn't have this problem at the age of 65 or whenever it was, however old he was when he passed away. Um, he had this problem, likely, if, if it is true, he had this problem for 50 years, you know. Um, so uh, having that spot, so that even before he rises to this um, rock star status that he had, or, 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 or for just, you know, normal vocational pastors or, or just in a leadership position in general. I mean, even you guys working uh, at, at regular corporate America, you know, you, something like that comes out. That's a bad thing for your organization. You know, you could get fired. You could, all this stuff could come out. So have a, have a place where there is men's accountability when it talks and, they, and they're able to talk about these things even for, for the leaders in ministry. How do, we, how do we protect having those two different lives? A life that looks godly and Christ-honoring. Again, we're not, I don't know all the details, but that's the circumstances here that we're talking about. Having this life that looks like you got it all together and this other life that's just a mess. How do we protect from that? Um, I, well, first of all, realize this is not just about Ravi Zacharias. Right. Because this happens all the time. And so, I mean, when I saw that, I'm like, man, I never, I I used to want to be a famous Christian, right? Um, And yet, now I'm like, there's nothing I want less. First of all, because the the Jesus answer is it's not about me. But then when you get selfish with it, it's like, imagine being in that position and then 
you just get dragged through the mud because of a failure that I'm not immune from. Nobody up here is. You're not. I think that's the first thing that you realize. I am not immune from this happening to me. Um, and if you don't let power get to your head, don't let position get to your head, uh, understand your sin, be self-aware. Uh, you're the only one that's with your mind all the time, right. right? So you know what you think, you know the propensities of your heart. And then um, knowing my mind and knowing the propensities of my heart is the single biggest reason why I close down and don't share but that's the exact opposite of what I should do. And so, because uh, those things I don't want to open up. Um, but at the same time, you realize that when I close down and don't share my struggle and my sin with someone else, I minimize the power of the cross because the cross already paid for all of that for you. It didn't just pay for your sin, it paid for the guilt and the shame that goes along with it. And so, number one, you're not immune. Number two, open up and share with somebody. I mean, it's already been said, but it can't be said enough. Um, you just got to be vulnerable with another man in your life, and you've got to have an accountability group. You've got to be open and honest, right? You can't heal what's hidden. There's a whole lot of cliche-ish things I could say right now, but it's because they're true. Um, so you just got to open up and don't seek, don't seek power and fame for yourself. Seek the power and fame of Jesus. Good. All right, changing topics a little bit again. I like this question. This is um, very relevant to today. How, we'll let you guys take a moment to discuss this. How do you guys see the church stepping up in our current time frame? And then he has in parentheses the shutdown, COVID. So how do you see the church responding is it good? Is it bad? How, how, how is the church done during this shutdown COVID? And then what do you see God doing that we can step into and join his work? You got it? Take a minute or two and discuss that. How's the church doing in spite of the shutdown COVID? And then what can we do to join him and what he's currently doing? What's that? It just says the church in general. Yeah. Anybody want to uh, start us off? How do you think the church is responding? I'll just kind of repeat something I said on my podcast a few, maybe a month or two ago, is I think 
uh, we've seen three responses generally, and that is COVID's been either a cover. I heard Matt say to me privately, he said it's kind of called the coronavenience. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty good. So it's either a cover to just do what you want to do now, and you can say to your pastors and your small group, well, I'm being safe, when really you're just being selfish. Uh, it's either a club it's being used to beat people up because your opinion is different than theirs, and there's no verse about any of this. So we need grace for differing opinions and not let it be our main thing, but instead we find it as a club and we go beat people up, or it's actually just a sovereign set of circumstances. And that's been true throughout history, and so the church has to respond, like, what do we do now with this new set of circumstances that God has brought into our life? And so we want to land on number three best we can. We don't do it perfectly, but I think that's generally the way we've seen the church respond. What I think God may be doing, and I want to say maybe because there's probably multiple things, from my perspective, as narrow as it is and as limited as it may be, I think there's a purging happening that's actually going to be very good in the end. Because let's say that our churches actually are smaller as God winnows away those who said, you know what, I'll just going to use as a cover. And so they're not really part of the body. They don't want to be. They have their own agenda. In the end, you know, whatever number smaller is probably more effective. So I'm kind of good with God's purging and refinement right now. I think it's healthy for the church, and I hope we embrace it, if that is one of the things he's doing. How can we join God on what he's currently doing in the culture? What about Nick or Mark? How, what do you, we're not at your church on most weeks, so what, what's going on there? How do you see your church responding or the church responding? Either way, you want to address that. Yeah, I think that um, it uh, maybe helped flush out even just some um, uh, frustration or some, some things that we just needed to do a better job of communicating with or, or having softer hearts. I mean, I think that that was a few things. Um, I also think that I'm starting to see we have a unique thing. I mean, the other C that maybe I'll add on uh, to Todd's points, our community. And as we've now spent months not being around very many people, and people see that, I mean, we love, part, part of how God blesses us as a church um, is just the excitement that we have joining a community. And we are excited about it. I think that the world, when they see this and they wonder, why, what's so, you know, why is it so important for you guys to meet um, you know, they can see that excitement. They get pulled in through that's uh, So that'd just be one of the other things I'd just throw out. Good. Nick, anything you want to add? Um, I'm not sure I have too much to add, except just that uh, initially I think what God did was he revealed a lot of our idols. Um, we, we, ha we had to move from very Sunday-centric to all week and do extra work to reach out to people, and I think that it also caused people to I realize and understand the reason why we do gather and we need each other and so it's been is what it is and we and we but the th the thing I would say is that how do we join in we we got to keep reminding ourselves of the mission and the gospel and the things that we should not get sidetracked by um so just come central come back come back come back that's good good awesome all right what, what do you think about that 
that question. Yeah, I, I think I was going to kind of say what Nick was saying too, is I think remember what, what our job is. Make disciples, and that typically looks like in the book of Acts in the New Testament by planting churches, right? Like that just typically seems to be the model. Continue to make disciples. Don't forget what we're about. And so that means my neighbor. Love on my neighbor. Talk to my neighbor. Point him to Jesus. What, what the church looks like on Sunday morning probably is not the most important thing. My, my mandate is, is, is clear. My job is to make disciples, and typically that looks like planting churches. Is that fair? Cool. Um, last question, then we're going to wrap up. What has been, this is for you guys first, then for us, what has been the thing that has helped you grow personally the most? A practical thing that you've done as a, as a guy to grow spiritually the most. What has been that thing that you would point to and say it was that that really caused me to grow spiritually the most. Go ahead. Uh, I think the guy in the back must be of his. Can we get Travis's mic on? Okay, great, thanks. Todd, you want to start us off? We'll go that way. Um, not surprisingly, um, I would say time in the Word. I want to qualify that with one thing, if I can. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily mean an academic reading. I mean more like a, a time with God to where you're, you're listening, you're communicating. It's kind of prayer, too. So I don't know what you want to call that, fellowship with God, whatever, but it, it can't, it doesn't happen outside of the Word. So the Word is central. That's just the only, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, the Word. That's right. The Word. <laughs> um, I was going to actually say spending time in God's Word. I really was going to say that. And uh, the reason why is I've been in many seasons where I'm not in God's Word as much as I am and times when I am. And I have noticed that there's a, there's a literal, like I can, I can sense it, I can feel it, I, can, I, can, I, I notice how much I'm growing when I'm actually spending time reading and studying, um, not just getting through maybe a chapter. Like one year I did a uh, read the Bible in a year type thing, and I found myself reading through it to get through it, you know, as opposed to camping somewhere and and studying and so the more time in god's word the more you're going to grow the less time in god's word the less you're going to grow yeah i would just say consistency and it's the same thing you realize the points in your life when you're not consistent with the word and the times where you are but just being intentional with that time too not just glazing through but i think the only thing that i would add to that is is testing the word in your own life 
like intentionally putting yourself in a position to have faith. Like walking into, that's a situation. I'm going to walk into it. I have to have faith for that to happen. Mm-hmm. And the Lord inspires me with those moments, right? It's, it's usually like one of those moments where it's like, whew, 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 okay, go, right? But then you watch God do something, and it's a reminder that he is powerful and he is faithful. Uh, beyond time, spending in the Word, um, the other thing I would add is finding a mentor. And sometimes that sounds like a real formal thing. And ha- but a lot of times it's just hanging out with a guy that's further along in his yep. spiritual journey than what I am. And that has helped me tremendously. Can I just add one more little note on that? Absolutely. As you think about the commonality of these answers of being the Word, and I'm sure most of you probably would say that, and maybe some other things too, but uh, at the end of last year, as I was thinking through the sins that I'm struggling with, and the things that are on my plate, like, man, I've, I've got to find some better uh, you know, traction out of this or more victory. Um, you know, God said to me, well, the key to not sinning is to know my word. In Psalm 119, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. So I just got convicted, like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I might read the Bible a lot, but um, do I really, have I hidden it? Like, so I just committed this year another goal. I said, I'm going to memorize one verse a week. And so I've asked RJ and Travis, kind of mm-hmm. like you said, to kind of keep me accountable. So I printed on a card. And so I've got four of them right now, Acts, 4, Acts 9, 31, Ephesians 4, 1 to 3, uh, Isaiah 2, 2, and um, well, you know, I forget the other one in front of all these people. Yeah. But um, I'm just, so I got them on cards, I read them, I try to memorize them, and got some accountability. But I think that's still the word, but it's actually trying to hide it very intensely and specifically and memorize it. That might actually be more advantageous than just saying, I read another chapter today, like you yeah. said, to get through it. But, man, you're memorizing it. So, Because that's what the scriptures say. If you hide it, you won't sin. Right. I, mean, I'm, I want a life where I have less sin. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you, guys. Hey, yeah. we got one more question. Oh, we do. Yeah, we just got a surprise. Just, just to kind of float oh, it down okay, here. Okay, great. Uh, it's actually for someone not on the stage. It oh. involves maybe a little prophecy, a little revelation. Hmm. Work. I don't know. It's for Chris Eller. Oh, Chris, Chris Eller. Chris Come on down. Back. Come on down, Chris. This one's specifically for you, Chris. So um, it just was texted in. Just so. texted in. <laughs> it says this. If Tom Brady wins his seventh Super Bowl, is that a sign that he is the Antichrist or that Jesus is returning soon? That's a great question. I'd really love your take on that, Chris. So come on up and take a mic and... Is Tom Brady the Antichrist? That's the question. Go. Clarity and courage. <laughs> and yes. <laughs> so so my, jo- my joke is that his wife's name is Giselle. Sounds a lot like Jezebel. And she's a witch. Just throwing that out there. So, but I'm a Tom Brady fan. So can both those go hand in hand? So, No, okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you for that word of prophecy. We appreciate it. Hey, guys, thank you so much. Hey, panel guys, thank you so much. for. Yeah, let's show them our gratitude. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, just, just before we leave, I do have a little bit of a commercial, if that's okay. And I know not all of you are from First Family Church. I understand that. But the principle stays the same. 
As the discipleship pastor here, my job is to help people grow spiritually. And so one thing we're trying to do um, better and continually is to find guys who are willing to open the word of God together. And so we're, we're heavy, we're, we're huge on small groups. That is our number one form of discipleship. But we do want to continue to encourage men to meet together. So my advertisement or commercial for you is, would you be willing to find a group of guys that would meet together regularly to study the word of God together? Um, maybe some conversations to people that you met this weekend, you could start that and just say, hey, let's meet, have breakfast once a week. Let's study the word of God together, hold each other accountable, memorize scripture together. Would you, would you mind doing that? We have currently, if you don't know how to start a group, we currently have three groups that are happening here at First Family Church. So I apologize to those of you that this isn't your home church, but I just want to tell you about these real quick and ask these guys to stand up. So Mike Gonzalez is here. Um, would you mind standing up, Mike? Um, we would love to talk to you. We've got um, Jay McFarlane. I don't think he's here this weekend. I think he's out of town. And then Ryan Wilhite's in the back running slides. Do you mind waving, Ryan? We, these guys right now are leading groups. Yeah, me and Mike lead one together. I was trying to give you all the praise. But we leave we'd groups for that exact purpose. We believe that guys are better together. And so we would love to invite you to join one of these three groups. All these three groups start back up this week. And we'd love for you to just join us. Um, please, feel free to start your own groups, get guys together, have coffee, have breakfast together, open the word of God together. But if you don't know, if you don't want to start a group or, or can't, you are 100% welcome to join one of our groups. You can talk to Mike, you can talk to Ryan, you can talk to Jay McFarlane if you know him, you can talk to myself. We would love to have you join us. And then lastly, the women of our church have done a way better job, which is typical, than the guys in this area. But for the last two years, they've done one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And they started with a, with a form you filled out. So you just say, I wanna be discipled. You fill out a form, they partner you with a mentor. So the men's ministry finally got our act together and we're ready to go. So this week you're gonna receive an, a form in your email that says, are you interested in being mentored? It, all you have to do is fill out the form, answer some questions about your schedule, your a stage of life and things like that, and it'll be my job. And um, I'm Matt McConnell, I don't know if he's in here too. Me and Matt are gonna try to find you a mentor. So we would love to partner you with the people to help you grow spiritually. So, so those are kind of my advertisements. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Vince, you here? There's Vince. So Vince and Jay. That's right. So Jay's not here, but Vince will handle all the questions. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So we'd love to invite you to our groups and have you join us. So guys, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time this weekend. Thank you, uh, pastors and elders, for promoting this, for encouraging your men to come. Thank you to my workshop speakers. Thank you so much for the people that always get forgotten, my tech team. Thank you, guys. You guys made this event look great and sound great and, and just be awesome. Taylor and the worship team, thank you so much. Julie Day, uh, my, my hospitality team, they just killed it. I just get to stand up here and look good. So they just do so much awesome stuff. So grateful for it. You know, the speaker did a great job. Thank you guys, the worship team. There's so many people that just put this together and I'm just so grateful for all of them. What a blessing. The BCI, thank you, Chris. On behalf of the BCI, thank you for the funds and, and the promotion and the website and all that you guys did to make this event possible. It is so fun. It's just a blast to see you all. So thank you so much. Pastor Todd, would you mind just concluding us in prayer? Would you mind doing that? And then we'll be, we'll be good to go. All right. Heavenly Father, thank you for the calling you've placed upon our life. 
uh, as men, both in our homes, um, in this world, this culture, and that includes so many roles and responsibilities that, God, I pray that you would continue to um, give us Holy Spirit-empowered appetites for those and that we would see you as the treasure of our life. And from that flows every bit of motivation uh, to be a husband, a dad, an employee, an owner, a citizen, all those different roles. God, it all flows from seeing you as our treasure. So, Lord, continue to maximize uh, your name in our presence, in our life. We love you so much. We thank you for sending Jesus, who is the Christ of the Old Testament, to fulfill all of your promises and die in our place so that we could have eternal life and be reconciled. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Amen.